It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to another episode of Sitting Around Talking Movies. We're talking the movie Game Night. We're talking the movie Annihilation this week. We're talking the TV miniseries Waco. I'm Neil Rosen with Bill Brigoli. My stomach is rumbling. Don't mind that, folks. <laughs> uh, Bill McCutty. Is that like an here. alien thing? Yeah, we're, it's a fireside chat today. It's uh, 72 degrees yesterday in Manhattan. 78 degrees. 45 degrees today. And so we've uh, we got a fire burning. It's and weather. I don't have a fireplace, so that's going to be expensive. And uh, Jack Rico from the highly relevant podcast. Just call me Rico Suave. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to I'm going to uh, let's start talking about uh, Annihilation. Um, so you saw Annihilation, Jack. I did. And you saw Annihilation. I didn't. Bill? I haven't seen what Bill Bergoli did. did. Uh, would you who, who would like to yeah, let Jack go? On. OK, Jack, tell us about Annihilation. I'm hearing it's dreary. Let me just start the conversation that way. I heard it's super downer. Uh, Annihilation is part uh, is based on a book called the Southern Reach Trilogy. And that book came out uh, just a few years ago. And it uh, basically is about four women. In this particular case, Annihilation was the first book of that trilogy. And it's about four women that go and uh, explore uh, Area X. And it's not necessarily described exactly what it is, but about 12 expeditions have gone in and have not been able to return. This so, is in the near future, I'm guessing. Yes, this is in the near future, even though... Because I don't remember it from the 70s. Yeah, so, near though, that the, so near that the cars actually look exactly the same. Exactly <laughs> That's what you call the near future. Oh, okay. And really, there are no cars in the film, and now. I asked uh, director Alex Garland, he said it was a budgetary issue, <laughs> so I started laughing at that. But uh, Natalie Portman stars in the film, along with Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Oscar Isaac... Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee is in the film. What a cast. And great cast. And uh, there's a lot of controversy about the film because uh, they're saying now that there was whitewashing. That one of the characters in the book, Natalie Portman's character, was Asian, and so they chose her. But when they asked Natalie Portman about the issue, she had no clue. And this was a reporter from Yahoo News. So now there's a backlash on the film, uh. even though from this perspective as a Latino critic, 
Uh, you have three Latinos in the film, and there's four women that are the star ensemble. So how is that in any way ex- uh, exclusionary? How is it uh, in well, any it's way wide Well, it's because it's because it's the main character, and it bumped somebody that might have been Asian, let's say. But you could say she's Jewish, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many ways you can go with it. I think I think the problem with today is that people want to look for a problem, and uh, I think this is this is a great case where there is really nothing to truly criticize about it. Because when they asked director Alex Garland about the Asian character, he says that the book never truly describes her character as Asian in any way. So the movie's kind of going through a bit of a. So you can't criticize it for that, but you can criticize it for what. Uh, or did being, you love it? No, no, I didn't love it in any way. I mean, if you saw Ex Machina, Alec, director Alex yeah, Garland fun, yeah. is the same guy. So he's the, there's some parallels in the Hence film. Hence the Oscar Isaac connections. And they were both yeah, films. and remember the Ex Machina was nominated for an Oscar for best original screenplay. So this guy knows how to make movies. The movie is visually impactful. I thought that the story was very interesting. The way it starts, great opening, but yeah, it's a slow paced film. And so when I asked director Alex Garland about this seems like a very trippy, surreal movie. Like, if you're high on drugs, man, and you're watching this movie, you'll see things that you probably don't well, know. Well, so what'd you see? <laughs> well, I didn't take any drugs before I uh, saw the movie. Uh, but I can pity. tell you that the movie... It's not engaging. It's it, it's hard to figure out because even though it's about the exploration of this area that no one knows and no one comes out alive and she's trying to find out what killed her husband. Well, wait a minute. Oscar Isaac came out alive. That's her husband. And right? he, he soon dies. With okay, the film. fine. Okay, sorry. But uh, because of something that happened. So when we look at there's a lot more questions that you ask when you leave the film than when you're in just watching it's the it. plot so, hard to follow. It is because there's time lapses. There's about four time lapses, four four time. Yeah, they, uh, they flash forward, frames. they flash backward. Right, they, so you, it, it's hard to kind of figure out. There's this affair that Natalie Portman's character has that has nothing to do with anything. And then towards oh, the wait, end, wait, 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 I, I, I don't back. want to see that taken out, please. And then there's this moment towards the end where the volume becomes so loud that your eardrums start hurting and you almost want to walk out. Oh, they, yeah, they they start with this boom, boom, boom. Uh, and then it becomes that sounds like somebody's really idea of loud. high concept so, and yeah. like this is an artistic film meant for people who love science fiction and that are very open-minded about a different type of movie a different type like of prometheus head scratching or like i thought prometheus was a bit more commercial and mainstream this is a lot more <laughs> art house sci-fi how did you but, like it compared uh, to uh Ex Machina. I like that Ex Machina a lot better. I loved Ex Machina. Yeah, because yeah, well, was... Ex Machina was a, well, not that it was the most original concept. You could kind of, it was glam. It's, from, it's about the like dangers twi- of artificial right, intelligence. I mean, That's twilight, what it is. It's actually a Twilight Zone that, from the 50s or early 60s. It was we'll take similar. your word for it, Grandpa. To the, to the, but, but no, I mean, but still, I really liked Ex Machina and... First time I really saw Alicia, you know, is it Vikander. Alicia? Is it Alicia? Alicia. Alicia Vikander. Alicia. Yeah, and I did that junk, and I interviewed all of them. The director, Oscar. Yeah, it was it was quite good. So this is not this is no ex machina. Nope. No. Well, it sounds like it has a lot more on its plate. It's one of those things that again I haven't seen it, but it sounds like this guy comes off that film, has a big idea, gets a big cast, and they go into a big woods, and everybody dies. One at a time. Well, yeah. So it's we don't predator. Want to spoil the ending. It's predator. Kinda. Can you see these? Can you see these the like, monsters? Monsters. And, yeah, absolutely. They're and all I different think too. They're all different, but you know, ultimately, you're yes. still scratching your head. Is this an alien movie? Is this 
uh, a, a thriller where you know you, you don't the, the quite find romance. out what this is. Yeah, the only way I can describe it, it, it's a sci-fi thriller, but without the payoff. So is it trying to be like one part Blade Runner, original Blade Runner, one part? You I know, would not compare alien? this movie with any of those. I think this movie is stands alone in its its sophomore debut, but from from Alex, and I think he was trying to create something, but probably didn't have the budget to do it. You it's know, it's ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but even some of the people that are praising it are saying it's. I'm quoting now: empty, but engaging, or empty but good looking. Em- That's a contradiction. Well, I yeah, I know. How is it empty and engaging? You, you, you always go to this. Um, Rotten Tomatoes thing. And well, Manoa. What's your problem? New York Times is on there. Well, no. Well, here's the thing. I wish there was a grade on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, we've had this conversation. That, no, no. That would just. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, there's something called Top Critics. The people that I actually uh-huh. think have credibility. Neil Rosen, critics. Bill McCuddy, Bill Bergoli, Jack <laughs> Rico. No. So, you know, when you factor in all the people, like the 300 people that are on Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of whom are not credited accredited critics that are just like in grandma's basement you know writing review or something like that i love and this association they that everybody's can in a basement, pump up right? the studio can pump <laughs> up creepy. those grades on rotten tomatoes so you know if you tell me that you read a couple of reviews and you said oh the times thought this and it but i, I don't really trust that all right i'll tell you on tomatoes. this that the new york times liked it okay and i was on. surprised by that i'll take that I'm pete just hammond great, liked it these, these but the, but these praises are half are sort of backhanded praises. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's a difference in criticism between the intellectual criticism and then the common moviegoer, you know, mainstream uh, criticism. I think people sometimes just look at it from just the, the common moviegoer, and I think that A.O. Scott, Manola Dargis have this intellectual academic sort of uh, like, analysis like, like, on film. Like Neil Rosen? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, not exactly. like that. Uh-huh. But he was talking intelligent I think intelligent not everybody, people. not every single person that goes to the movies looks at a film critically and, and academically. I think they just look at it and react okay, to what so, the film gives them. So here's an example. So I wouldn't discount them. So last night I saw a screening, which is not an intellectual movie at all. It's game night and it's with... Uh, Jason well, Bateman. I would call that a lowbrow film. I mean, well, it's it's a re- it, well, it's it stars Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams, and the movie begins. They they meet at a trivia night, you know, in one of these trivia night bar things, and they both are like right there, like they chemistry. Get the, they get in. the que- they get the answers to these questions like before the guy even finishes. Writing, like one of the questions is like, what Supreme Court justice? And Jason Bateman goes, Oliver Wendell Holmes. And he goes, that's right. Can you please let me finish reading the questions before I? He goes, yeah, I got it. And he interrupts him there, you know. But it's a very, it, it, it's a smart comedy. It's not American Pie. I mean, uh, it's. But it's, it turns dark, right? I haven't seen well, this either. And we're going to hear from Jason Bateman in a moment, well, yeah, right? Well, here's what it's about. So uh, Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman meet. And then you flash forward, like they get married like three, four years later. And they're hosting these game nights with these two other couples in their Are they apartment. married in the film? Yeah. Okay. And, they're, and they're, they get married and they host this uh, game night where they're playing. It's pretty much, you know, regular board games, you know, Trivial Pursuit, uh, Scrabble, Life. Remember Life with the old yes. wheel yeah. that you'd spin? You know, Pictionary, Charades, that kind of stuff. And Boy, that sounds like it would get boring well, after a no, while. That's only the first few minutes of the movie. But then Jason Bateman has issues with his brother, played by Kyle Chandler, who was Coach Taylor 
in uh, Friday Night Lights. And he shows up in this Which I've hot. I've never seen, by the way. In, in Are hot. you a fan of Friday Night Lights, Neil? Well, you've never been very specific about that. <laughs> Only one of my favorite shows ever. But Jesse Plemons, who's also in Friday Night Lights, plays He's this great cop in Black Mirror. He's a next door. Yes, he yeah, is. That's awesome. A, he's great. That, that Jack turned me on to Black Mirror, and that Star Trek wannabe episode with Jesse Plemons is, is great. Brilliant. But uh, it is brilliant. We've talked about that on the podcast. But that said, so Jimmy Plem- Pro- Jesse Plemons is this creepy next-door neighbor who's a cop who wants to keep getting invited to their game night. <laughs> and um, so the brother says uh, he, he comes in, and he's like a real flashy guy. He works in investment banking. And he says, I'm doing game night tonight. He does one of these murder mystery things where he hires actors to do the thing. Right. And something goes wrong. And that's all I'll say. But there's a lot of... Really, I mean, it's not stupid humor. It, it, it's very clever and it's very funny. And whoever wrote and directed this, even the end credit sequence, which is two directors it, actually, what? Yeah, two directors. Yes, which is not. But the guy who wrote it, who's uh, I believe was uh, is, uh, is Hispanic, uh, Perez, I believe with his oh cool his last name. Uh, very clever writing. Just lots of one-liners that are funny. Like for example, uh, whoever wins game night tonight wins the keys to this car. Just, just the keys? No, the whole car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like the I've seen some of those jokes in the trailer, They're and I've very, seen some pretty dire things in the trailer too. That it's I guess funny. I it's won't give clever. away. It's funny. It is not a stupid comedy. Um, How would who would who? I liked it. Who would I you really compare the film to? What what other film would you compare it to? Smart comedy. Like a funny, very bad things. Or like a like okay, rough night, like, like rough you night. Bad words. That movie that you liked with Jason yeah. Bateman. Bateman was terrible. I hated that movie. I love Bill that loves movie. that movie. I, I love that movie. It. It's it's a clever comedy. I mean, it's you know okay okay. In terms like of, rough night, Jack asks okay, a good okay, question. Okay, here's what I would compare that it to. you'll get it to. In terms of Eventually. the level of the writing of the comedy and yeah. the wit in the comedy, yeah. I would compare it to Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, in okay. terms of that kind of so writing. very broad. But but the premise is kind of rough night, kind of like. What's uh, my friend? Night. You know the, the Scarlett Johansson Scarlett film with the Johansson. women who there was also a comparison uh, African American film called Girls Trip where Tiffany oh, yes, Haddish yes, came yes, out. Yes, yes, So they all get together and it's then something goes wrong. No, no, this no. Yeah, I, now I remember Rough Night and I did see Girls Trip. No, it's 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 more clever than that. But it's, something does happen and they're on a chase. So there's actiony stuff in there. But it's all it's all about the writing. Well, and I you, love Jason so Bateman, and, and I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Rachel McAdams fan. But I hear she's kind of a bitch in person. What? Where did you know anything? Anybody want to jump in there? Once, uh, but again, can I really tell what the real Rachel McAdams is like from the? Did five it lead to coffee or a drink or anything? What did you hear, Bill? I want to hear that. that. She was just kind of snotty. But who told you that? Um, or what context know. was it in? Don't, don't tell me who, but what context was a it in? A girl that hates her, another actress. Ah. No, I know. I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the real funny, the two things that I, uh, in terms of performance, is Kyle Chandler, who never plays comedy in broad comedy, was actually pulling off doing a comedic role, which I've never seen him do. But Jesse Plemons, who played a psycho in Breaking Bad, in the last season of Breaking Bad, is playing a psycho here, but he's like, funny and he's just I also did not know that this guy had deadpan comedic timing and it's just he's creepy and funny and I saw this not in a screening room I saw this in a huge well the man who does have deadpan everybody's la- everybody was laughing their asses the off. guy who can lay a bon mot like right on a platter and serve it is Jason Bateman yeah, and, right. uh, and he was asked- our own Bill Bergoli, uh has called a, uh, a little nugget from him yes he was asked if the cast indeed got to uh, ad lib at all 
Most comedies, you, you want to try to create uh, kind of that vibe of it's all kind of coming apart at the seams, and, and, and oftentimes that means you've got to kind of be loose with the dialogue. And uh, it's not that you're trying to make it better or fix something that's wrong. You're just trying to keep it kind of frayed. But it was, uh, it was nice to just work on a set with that kind of atmosphere. He also said that he used to do game nights when he was younger, but then his family came along, and now he doesn't get to do it personally anymore. And we've mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago, but if you do like Jason Bateman, uh, Ozark on, um, which one is it, Netflix? Is Ozark Netflix, or is it? Uh, yeah, I think it's Netflix, Netflix, yeah. But anyway, one of the streaming, one of the numerous streaming services, uh, Ozark, quite good. Um, I'm watching um, Waco. I started watching Waco. Again, another Friday Night Lights alumni, Taylor Kitsch, who's, I thought, who's great on that show, whose career I thought was over when he made that uh, bomb. It was, like, I think, the biggest money-losing movie in the history. Oh, yeah, the Disney thing? Oh, ben Disney. Carter? What, what was that called? Uh, no, John oh, Carter? John Carter. John, John Carter. Carter. Where did I get Carter. Ben Carter? And Disney lost so much money on that, and he became, like, box office poison. But then he started doing a couple of roles with Peter Berg, who created and wrote the TV series um, Friday Night Lights. I heard he was going to be in uh, True Detective 3, and I don't know what happened. And uh, he oh, I really, think that's happening. I think that just got lit up again yesterday. Well, he plays David Koresh, um, the guy from the Branch Davidian compound in, uh, I guess, what was it, the early night, 93? Oh, yeah, he's yeah, unrecognizable. And he, 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 yeah, and my yeah. wife and I, you know, we watched like every episode of Friday Night Lights, she goes, I don't even see T- Tim Riggins, who's the character on Friday Night Lights, I, played by Taylor Kitsch. I don't even see Taylor Kitsch in, in this. He's unrecognizable. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look anything, but he's real good. And your favorite, uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon is in this. Is you know, FBI. thank God, because he just doesn't work enough. Right. He's the FBI guy who's trying to uh, he's in every talk. Movie. Uh, Shape of Water, he might win the office. Trying to talk um, uh, mm. David Koresh out of the house. And... Um, What's his name? Uh, the the guy from. Uh, is this a TV show or a movie? It's a it's a it's well it used to be the Spike Network and now they've changed the name Paramount. to Paramount, Paramount Network. So it's and, a TV show. Uh, who's the guy? He was on he was on Broadway. John Lugazamo. John Lugazamo is also he's a um, a, uh, a what's it, uh, alcohol tobacco and fire ATF, a, ATF, ATF agent and who kind of infiltrates the. The uh, the compound alcohol and, tobacco uh, there's a lot of people up. in this. Uh, Andrea Riseborough is one of the devoted followers her. of uh, from Battle of the Sexes. Is the one who had the affair with uh, Emma Robert with uh, not Emma Roberts. Um, she was in a movie uh, called We, directed by Madonna, led by Oscar Isaac. That's Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yes, from Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> Yeah, so she's this in, podcast has really devolved into just like an old people's home roundtable. <laughs> anyway, I like Waco. It's good. It's long though. It's seventeen episode series. I mean, jeez. That's, but they are. How stuck far in, into it are you? I'm in episode five, but they're stuck in the compound. See, Paramount sent me all seventeen, and I just haven't gotten to it. Do you have them? Uh, yeah. Do you need it? <laughs> yes, Bill. I don't think you're telling me the truth. Did they give you CDs or just links? Um, they actually had the actors come to my house and act it out. It was really That's nice. incredible. Seventeen They were here for we, yeah. we had to put them up overnight. It's <laughs> funny, funny. Yeah, like, that Taylor like Kitsch can eat. So you know, Red Sparrow opens up next week. If anyone and from Paramount is listening, please send Mr. Rosen the links to the rest of the. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna review it next week. But you Red know, Sparrow. Jack has seen it. I saw it at uh, in a New York theater uh, where yeah, I was it was at that. it was the RPX 
theater in Times Square, which is by far the best movie theater I've been to so Wait, far. Wait, Mrs. McCuddy, who's film. in the next room, will attest to the fact that we saw a... When we same, went to the not same the, screening uh, you not did. the iPad All right, theater. calm down, calm down. We've explained... The Regal it. Cinemas. It was a dim bulb. That was a dim bulb screening you attended, sir. What? Yeah, because well, we came just, home and looked at the, the invitation. We list. went home and yes, it said we enjoyed this film in dim bulb production. What is um, dim bulb? I saw the trailer. We came home and looked at the trailer, and it was much brighter. Huh? That's right. interesting. So anyway, well, anyway, um, so we're going to review it next week. But uh, I was talking to Jack before we, you know, the other day before we started doing this. And um, without really reviewing the film, Jack, Jack, I don't think was that thrilled with Red Sparrow. I, I actually, I did like it. You told me that there was many people in the theater that did not like it, especially including women. me, Badsky. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, I don't want to talk too much about the film because we, you guys might want to talk about it next week. But I, what I did want to talk and, to Neil and Rigoli, about. And we should pitch also is going to talk with her tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Right. And we're going to yeah. hear from Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. But I think. I told you it's an old piece. Jack song. and I wanted to talk about it a little bit was uh, what the hell happened to Jennifer Lawrence's career? Um, she did mother. You know, yeah, <laughs> no, she's I, been making some interesting choices as of late. I mean, uh, we, we I, I like Joy, but I don't think Joy. I love Joy. I love Joy. I, I like Joy, but I don't think that Joy was the type of film that that makes careers. And she is considered an A-list blockbuster actress that um, I don't think has been delivering A-list blockbuster films. I don't know if she's on that Angelina Jolie level. By the way, well, Angelina Jolie happened. might not necessarily she, be on that level. She either. hooked up with David O. Russell. Is right. that what you're going to say? I mean, no, like Darren Aronofsky. You're talking about. No, Darren. no. I mean, just in general, in, for, in well, terms here, of her career. What, I mean, the breakout thing were the um, Hunger Games, Hunger Games franchise. Series. Okay, and then she gets the Oscar for um, was it Silver Linings Playbook or what did yeah. She, she? Yeah. Right. Okay. For Silver Linings Playbook. And ever since then. And ever since then. It's been now. Look, I'm with you, McCuddy. And I, I love Joy. I, I love Joy so much that actually, when I'm flipping around on the dial on my television and I come across whatever she's on, this is Home Shopping Network or QVC, and I see Joy. I think it's Mangano, uh, you know. And she, whatever the hell she's selling, I'll just stop on a dime and watch it because I'm so intrigued. Because right. I saw so the wait, movie. let's make a distinction, okay? You, we we can say she's made some missteps, but you can't say they weren't good movies. Joy was Mother at least a good, a good choice. Mother was a was an interesting choice. She was Ugh. she was Stupin Aronofsky and he talked her into it uh, the way he talked a lot of famous people into making the fountain, which I thought was awful. But what I'm saying is she made smart decisions that turned into bad movies. What I'm saying Apparently about Red what I'm saying about Red Sparrow is and Jack, you can chime in. Yeah, I don't think it's a smart decision. It's a director I'm, I'm, she worked with before, too. That's right. But she's but uh, she's doing King. a Russian accent. She's uh, atomic blonde was a million times better. I'm sorry. We are certain to review it. I don't get it. But I'm fine. just saying, I think right. it's a bad decision. You can look at earlier movies that didn't do well, but at least they were still smart decisions. And you guys can tell me I, I'm know, wrong. I don't know. But I, I think Red Mother Sparrow was, was a, really good. You know, I thought it was a, one of these one of these European international thrillers. That took its time to really develop the characters well. You cared when something happened to these characters. There's been so many spy movies um, that that have gone awry so quickly that you don't believe anything that happens in these films. 
Um, but I think Red Sparrow really took its time. I, I understand it's based on a book. It's very explicitly sexual. I mean, there's so well, many kind scenes. Of goofily. With, no, not, I mean, there's oh, moments where Jennifer Lawrence embarrassing. Is, 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 you know, spread eagle on a table, you know, enticing yeah, men. And that's not embarrassing. <laughs> well, it is well, it's done tastefully. It is for Jennifer Lawrence. It's done tastefully, <laughs> and it's Jennifer Lawrence. So, yeah. you know, she's she's young, she's beautiful, and and it was like, wow, she kind of really decided to go into, in, into nude and not have a problem with it, and I thought that, that took a lot of guts and I was totally into the whole film from beginning to end. So I thought this, this was a good, good, good step in the right direction after mother to kind of recorrect her career. Now, whether that movie makes a lot of money or not, or is it you know, nominated for anything? Well, uh, I don't necessarily think so, but I think it's a step in the right direction for the type of movies that I, I know she can deliver. I will say this having, while you were saying this, I pulled up her list of credits and I agree with you, Bill McCuddy, that she, that, the movies might not have, other than Mother, which was a debacle and a horrible film, some of these movies... But a smart that, choice for her. Some of these movies did not a daring well, choice. that are quite good, in, in addition to Joy. For example, I really liked American Hustle, and I think that, you know, may, maybe it didn't perform that well. Passengers was... Pa- I love Passengers. I love oh. Passengers. No, I come on, loved, come on, come on. No, there's it. no way you loved it. I loved it. I there's have no a better ending for it, but we both talked about better Bill does have a better ending for Passengers. But Passengers is an interesting choice that she well, thought was going to be commercial you, have a you know what's terrible re- is what re- terrible is uh, selena is it called or what's oh, the one serena she, selena selena or serena, serena you were looking serena, at the list yeah. that she made with bradley cooper uh they made it oh, like yeah. up in the hills oh, that was horrible that, they shot it up in the hills that, that thing movie is went bad to DVD. okay so, so here's a quick look after silver linings she did a movie called house at the end of the street that got no play yeah the devil you know what you're talking about that i never heard she then did the final Hunger Games, which kind of cemented her there. American Hustle, she was not the star of that film. Um, then Serena with yeah. Bradley Cooper that bombed tremendously. Yeah, that was right. a piece of shit. That, okay. Then she did the X-Men movies that uh, I never really thought that those movies necessarily highlight her specifically or her acting. So it's just, no, she's just I forgot one, how rich she is. She's, <laughs> she's a one Passengers of Passengers was, for all intents and purposes, critically a failure, and box office was a flop. Then she did Mother. So, yes, we can create an argument that the last seven, eight films that she's done have not worked out well. The last X-Men was considered a flop. And now Red Sparrow, which I think is the best since Silver Linings Playbook that she's done where she's leaded and she's the star. I thought this was a good film, but not necessarily a great film, but a good film that you cannot really enjoy. <laughs> well, um, Bill doesn't. McCuddy does not have a good way to end Passengers. You had a way of reconstructing the entire movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of Instead of following the um, story of, uh, what's the actor from? Yeah, Chris Pratt. Chris I mean, this was Chris a video Pratt. essay right. that was right. done by NerdWriter where he reconstructed Bill, and said, what if Chris Pratt is the villain in the film? As a, and he... No, well, Bill, Bill directed yeah. me to somebody on YouTube, somebody who did something on YouTube. Where Nerd writer. The, that's what I was just commenting. Yeah, he was right. telling about Instead that. of the movie beginning with the Chris Pratt story, linear, you begin right... Did I just say all yeah, of this? He's, he's just, just like regurgitating everything I just said. Welcome like, to the old people. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no, it's really cool. And but, let's, it, but that uh, would have been a bit more of a hip intellectual way to do the movie. Right. You know so if you but saw the movie, go to YouTube. I think it was great. I really loved it. I loved Passengers. What can I tell you? Mm. You know? 
What can I tell you? Bill, I it. did you love Passengers? No. Yeah, me neither. I was okay with it. Uh, I liked it, and I thought, but I thought in, instead of the Nerdwriter thing, if, even if they had just, uh, if she had awakened somebody at the end, that would have been interesting. Oh, yes, yes. The, the thing is, Andy Garcia comes out of nowhere in the like, last minute. Well, what was but, that but about? That's well, because the, 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 he's in There's a lot of so more of the movie. More. There's a lot more of the movie they didn't show. And then the guy from The Matrix was his name? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence yeah. Fishburne. Uh, I thought he was poorly, uh, you know, underused. And the ending made no sense to me. And so that's what I'm saying. Yes, I thought the production value was excellent. Uh, Jennifer and Chris Pratt were, 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 were charming as heck. But the payoff of the film, you're there for the whole time expecting something great happening around the holiday season, and it under-delivers. It Boy, they sure promoted it, too, remember? And I think... I think maybe she thought this was going to be a big blockbuster for Everyone her that didn't that. have X-Men or Hunger Games on it. And it was and an original story. When you throw, when you start to talk about her career, and I listened to you just listing all these movies, and Neil just looked at the list, too. I automatically, as a critic, and some people listening to this will be annoyed with me, I throw out the X-Games and X-Men. X-Men. Uh, X-Men Hunger and Games. the Hunger Games. I throw out the X-Games. <laughs> I throw those all of those movies out because... Uh-huh. I don't consider them choices movies. that you make as a as an actor. Yeah. I consider them like the Avengers, the people something the that you're going to make to so that you can make the one for them and the two for you or whatever. The Ang Lee theory, right? right. So I guess I don't even think of those, and I so, I don't think this is. I, we disagree. I don't think this is a step so forward for her. Last week we talked about Black Panther and. Surprisingly, um, what did Sergeant you guys Machine, think, by the way? Because well, that thing went God, and we we thought it was going to be big, and then that just went nowhere. So, Mike Sargent, <laughs> at the time that we taped the podcast, other than Mike Sargent, nobody had seen the film. So, what I'd like to know, Jack Rico, yeah. since this movie is making a gazillion times ten dollars, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what was your take on Black Panther, and what do you think it means? The fact that it's making this much money for not only. Um, the movie franchise Black Panther itself, but um, you know it, it is an African American. Uh, but it's cast. not. It's is not it, okay. Is, I was going to say. Gonna change. Yeah. Is, is it going to help? You, you know. Is you, there an end to this question? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we now a Hispanic uh, superhero. No, no, no. I mean, what if uh, we told you we already answered this five minutes ago and you didn't hear it? I, right. I, I, so, really, so just I'd some like context. To know what you thought of the film also. Some context. The the Black Panther was created in 1966 by Stanley and Jack Kirby. So there was already, Black Panther was already in the Marvel pantheon of superheroes, right? They're just, they're just using, you know, somebody within the portfolio of the Marvel characters. We're not going to see a Hispanic one because there are no Hispanic characters in the Marvel. You could create one. You could create one now, but this guy has like a 50 year, you know, uh, lead, you know, advantage. 60s. Yeah, 1966. So six months before the uh, radical group, the Black Panthers. Reformed the before, comic book right? Came out. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So uh, well, nobody's even making that connection, which is kind of interesting too. Is like it's called Black Panther, and nobody's like thinking because that group is old enough anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're all the yeah. now defunct group. So Black I think Panther. well, the poster has a quote from Eldridge Cleaver. I didn't no. know that. Totally. So I think one of the things about Black Panther that 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 I particularly took out of it is that there was so much hype around this film that I was starting to wonder: was there a lot of hyperbole? Uh, you know, sort of wrought onto the film. And I compare it a lot to Wonder Woman. I think Black Panther, just like Wonder Woman, are important films for the time that they came out. Right. Wonder Woman, woman superhero, woman director. Uh, Black Panther, 
African-American cast, African-American. Same director. thing with Coco in Pixar. It, it was Hispanic, you know, character that came in at the right time but to uplift. His, but, but not Hispanic directors on Coco, were they? Yes, Adrian Molina is oh, a Hispanic director, stand, along I, with Lee Unkrich. I stand, I Funky Cold Molina. What? Funky Comedina. So what we're seeing is we are seeing diversity be the leads in these films and make a lot of money. And I actually go. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. And I go back all the way to to Hamilton where there's been this defiance. And, you know, what a lot of people are saying is that I think that the rest of the world is sort of tired on the white hero. There's this white hero fatigue where they kind of want to see other stories, fresh stories. And I think that there's been a lot of people that are going to see this movie, not necessarily because it's a great movie, but because of word of mouth and uh, because they understand that this is an important film to see in the theater at the time that it's in. But ultimately, is it a great movie? Will it win an Oscar? Will it be nominated for something? I don't think it's a great movie. I don't think it's the technical? apotheosis. Anything technical? Uh, yeah, year? obviously technical. Brigoli. But I think kind of along the lines that Jack is saying, it serves its purpose. Serves its purpose, but I don't think I don't, in I any talk, way. I don't talk for as long as you guys. It serves its purpose. That's all I have <laughs> to say. Do you think that. And, and that quote that, served its not purpose. Not that anything is worthy of, of the hype that this thing is getting, but do you think. I mean, I saw a tweet from Karen James, our colleague who does this podcast and did the t- does the TV show occasionally. Um, who said it lives up to the hype? I don't know if anything could live up to the hype. Do, do, do you do you think that it's that that it's as great as you know? I mean, Disney's doing a real hard sell on it, but I mean, what do you guys think? Hey, hey it's fun. <laughs> its audience will really like. The, uh, people will think it lives up to its hype. There are people who will think so, and other people. Think, and I think hey. Jack's right. I think it's like it's time. It came at the right time. Uh, there's probably a little white guilt going. Yeah, let's go see the. Let's go see the Black Panther. Let's go see something different than we normally oh, always see. And it's crossed over maybe for that reason. It's also a very cool movie, they tell me. I haven't seen it. But I will say that there is this crackpot kind of guy who writes for the Observer, I think, Armand White, who lives in, in New York. <laughs> and he is an, a, is an African-American who wrote a very interesting piece it was about... a contradictory. Of right? course, they... Everybody loves this. They're in a small corner of Africa that's Shangri-La that doesn't really exist, that is its own thing and doesn't... He compared it to Green Pastures from the 30s about... Interesting. uh, Yeah, and said that this was like a whitewashed idea of of what a perfect black movie is, like a little corner of a place that nobody can even... that doesn't even really exist. And... It's so, a fictional country right, within a no. fictional story yeah. of a fictional character. So he can do whatever he wants with that. And if he wants to create, if, if the character, if Jack uh, Kirby and Stanley wanted to create a utopia, why not? You know, I think what a lot of people are saying about this film, and it's a bit of a, of a backlash, is that white people for so long have had have had have have always looked at themselves as heroes but african americans have never had a black superhero in their lives so they don't know what that feels like and i think a lot of the a lot of the critics that are writing about it are writing from a point of view of optimism that finally we can equal the playing field when it comes to the perception of what a hero's supposed to be and that's i think but let's what a make lot it of this just writing. this one and not a lot more right <laughs> <laughs> so so what does this mean for the future of the movie business and for the future of this franchise. We were going to see much more women-led films. We're going to see much more African-American films. We're going to see much more inclusion in these films. 
And I think they're, you know what? Because it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. There are going to be a lot of original stories. I think it's going to be great for movies. And we're going to see a lot of these $150 million box office because it's original and fresh and new and novel. That's what I think is going to happen for the next. Well, the next big black superhero or black tentpole movie that fails is going to be a huge setback and the same is true for the next big female driven movie that's all i'm going to say i mean they're going to keep making black panthers and they're going to keep making wonder womans and those are going to keep making money isn't this the the case when for example you know um avatar reinvents james cameron reinvents the way to shoot a movie and look at a movie in 3d and then everybody tries to capitalize on that afterwards, and they do these shitty transfers of movies that were shot in 2D, unlike right. Avatar, which was completely conceived and shot in yeah, 3D. Yeah, but that lesson's been learned. There's not a, they're not so doing that anymore. everybody's thrilled with Avatar. But that was a movie, gimmick. That was a gimmick that they were trying to roll off on. Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton Alice, the Johnny Depp thing. And they just did a, a quick conversion on that. And, and then there were all these really bad conversions of 3D, and people were invariably disappointed. So I'm saying you do something great, and then people try to imitate it, and it's never quite as good, and it becomes disappointing. And I'm wondering if that's what's, to your point, Bill McCuddy. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I hope not. We'll see. So before we go... Um, Wait, can I just say I'm watching Counterpart more? And I is anybody else watching this with... Counterpart? J.K. Simmons and uh, no. Alan Stars. Yeah, you talked oh, about yeah. this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I just want to know if anybody's gotten into the fifth yeah, yeah. or and where sixth can we episode. See that? That's stars. on Stars, as I just said. Stars, uh, I don't get Stars. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't either. I look at it, and I'm just not sure. And I'm wondering, you know, <laughs> is this going to be, I mean, this the big four streaming services, which are... Neil's very know, reflective today, right? He's no, very no, con- stars contemplating life. And stars, <laughs> isn't oh, stars isn't it right. I mean, how many of these things are you going to have to subscribe for to be able to watch everything? I mean, he's going to be like... I think Howard Stern said that the other day. I'm getting $10 to death. Facebook is now creating a full lineup that they just renewed for like five, six shows. So I think you're going to be seeing this from everywhere. I mean, Lexus had a production company that they put out episodes of an original show. I think a man... Lexus the car Lexus company? Lexus the car company. Lexus the car company. <laughs> Jesus. Everyone's getting in the content game. That's why they're calling it Peak TV. So the problem is going to be is... You know, most people subscribe to one or two of these things. I mean, you're going to subscribe to, like, God knows how many they're going to be down the line, you know? Well, Disney's coming out with a brand new streaming service. You can expect a lot of original shows coming out of there. So is that, so so this is going to cost you $1,000 now, a year to, like, subscribe to everything, you know? No, because, no, because you, know, you won't subscribe to everything. Yeah. I think or that's it where it's going. like a bundle, like, with your cable package, where it's like, oh, I have the premium package. I get these five. Well, that's a really good... That's the best question you've asked in this whole... Oh, thank uh, you, Well, Bill. podcast. I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> what would it take, though? These Mavericks, Hulu, Star... They're not talking to each other. Netflix, you Amazon. Cable what would get them all at the same table and bundle them together? Yeah, you but, sign for a cable company, you get the, 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 the silver package, what do you, the but, package. But we're thinking, like, TV dinosaurs. What do you need to bundle? What do you, you mean just to make it cheaper if I signed up for all three or four? Where it's like, because yeah. they don't need each other otherwise. The, the, well, you, what you well, understand you need- is the others needed the cable box. They needed the thing. They needed to all agree to be on some cable platform. Well, you need Wi-Fi just, in order to get well, Wait, hold yeah. on a second. Hold, yeah. Let me add, out of the four of us here, how many of you are cord cutters? Bill? No, we still no. have the box. No. Bill Pagroli? The, the goddamn triple play. Box. Jack, okay. it's the triple play. I have DirecTV Now, the app. I cut the cord eight months ago. Jack is always on the cutting edge of okay. all this stuff. Um, like, he wears a woolen cap better than anyone. 
And I spend $35 on my DirecTV now, and I get 60 channels. And they're all the ones that I actually need. HGTV. Can you select which ones you want? No, you, you can't. Go, like, I want Game There's Show packages. Network. There's packages. There's about four packages. So you can get do you have to have that? Do you have to have that little satellite? No. It just, it's, you download the app on Apple TV, and then you just put in your username and password. They charge you 35 a month, and you get to watch 60 Wait a minute. Channels. Do you get ABC, CBS, NBC, All of and Fox? All of those. All the big major ones. ESPN, so VH1, Why isn't everybody TV? doing that? Why didn't you tell us about this months ago? I don't know. Eight months you've been doing this? Yeah. What's yeah. your cable bill? Neil Rosen. I oh, pay thirty. Welcome to bucks. welcome to what's your cable bill? Two hundred forty bucks. Two forty. That's insane. No, it's cable, phone, and internet. Right, oh, calm okay, down. Well, calm that. down. What's yours, Bergoli? Three hundred six dollars. Three hundred six dollars. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, I think ours. Is- so, how much is our cable bill? <laughs> Three hundred. Oh We're right in the middle, sweet spot. First, but that's mil- per house. We have two. Oh, you know. talk to most millennials. Ninety-five percent of millennials do not have cable. They all are watching this stuff on apps. And um, you know, I don't know if cable is going to go away. You know, I mean, or it's going to become like cable a land- now. Like my seventeen-year-old daughter, like the, the, the McCuddies gather around like it's the Dumont in the <laughs> like the fifties, right. and we watch TV together. Otherwise, she goes to her bedroom and watches. Uh, Whatever she wants. On right. TV, so here's the thing. It's it's, it's 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 a native thing. So if you grow up on your iPad and you're two years old and you're watching the iPad and your dad's watching the TV set uh, and you can't watch anything on there because, you know, he's watching it. This is the way you grow up. So by right. the time but you also hit the 15 TV isn't and 20, cool. if dad's doing it, if dad's doing it, it's not cool. So by the time you reach to be 15, 20, it doesn't even occur to you to watch a television. It just occurs to you watch it on the phone, on an iPad, yeah. on a second it's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. thing. Right. So it TV. makes sense. Me, I'm on the cusp between both. So, I'm you know, we're for in the middle TV of, right um, I wanted to mention this, that uh, we're in the middle of, fortunately to, for me, coming towards the end of the Olympics. And, you know, I have to say that, is it just me or is this becoming like really watching these Winter Olympics? It seems really redundant to me. I mean, like I'm seeing not also everybody's really shitty this year, but it's like variations on a theme. It's like I'm watching the the, the, the skiing thing. Okay, so it's like first it's like it's the or let's take let's take the um, let's take the the skating. Okay? Okay, okay. there's the women's single short program, the women's single long program the men's single long and short program the couple's short program the couple's long program then you get to the slope the women's single big air have you seen that on skating it's then, really bloody then you've got <laughs> you've got the, then you've got this half pipe thing so you've got the skiers going on the half pipe then you've got the snowboarders going on the half was margot pipe. robbie uh, performing in any no, way no and then you've yeah, got okay. the slope where what's the one like, where they ski down a railing what the yeah, fuck is that? Yeah, that's, what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's like that's like some kind of like who invented that? They were they snowed in the middle of a Holiday right, Inn and they started skiing off the roof right, and then they, they came down. They have the, the snowboard version of it and the ski version of it. Yeah. You go down the slope, then you got to go up on a railing, then you go down, and then you go up a couple of hills. Are we talking sports now? Yeah, yeah. It's these are of. Olympic events, and other than curling, which really bores me because it's like watching shuffleboard. On whoa, 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 whoa! Except for that Russian chick that looks like Angelina Jolie. Wow. I don't understand why oh the guy God. was doping to like for curling. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, but okay. But, um, but 
I'm fine. Lisa Rossman doesn't like that they have to sweep in front of it. <laughs> it's the meaning. Yeah. I find the meaning. whole thing to be like I think a week would it's just it's just enough. I don't know. What are you I don't even I don't even watch TV. Lisa Seriously, Rossman would pay somebody else. To see I haven't watched one single event of the Olympics. the Olympics. Uh, I've been no at people's interest. house. We had a dinner party this weekend, and people we had it on in the background. And if something, my wife is wants to see Lindsay Vaughn. Wants Everybody to see, wants to see, wants to see the paired skating. Yeah. So if it's happening, we'll sort of have it on, but we haven't been searching at it. I've been watching way too it. much of it because the, one of the networks I work for has oh, right. radio rights. And are you and bored by it? No, I'm not bored by it. I, I Could actually, there be anything more exciting than the Olympics on radio? Yeah, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> the only thing we've been covering, the only sport we're covering is hockey. And now that the Americans are out of it, we just got a memo saying, well, that's it for our play-by-play. <laughs> uh, wow. The because that's the radio. Only, I'll tell you I'll what t- they have is uh, uh, they do these we do these long form shows where they do highlights from these various things and tell you the results and that sort of thing. They don't do play by play of women's half pipe or that sort of thing. The ratings have taken a massive tumble from yeah. the last four years. Twenty four percent are down. Americans I think a lot of it has Katie to do with Kirk. what we were just talking about. A lot of people have cut the cord. Millennials have no interest in the Winter Olympics. And they're not just not whoa, watching whoa, television. Whoa, 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 wait. The one thing they do like, which the Olympics has gone backwards and has helped their ratings, but it's injured a lot of people, are the snowboard sports, the the X Games kind of sports. They that's the probably that's true. The thing you took that's about the probably that's like true. An X game and but what you're saying, what what I think the real problem is, is there is nothing on earth that you need. Uh, to see all of live when when we are we're so the one thing we're conditioned to from the 60s at uh, at the at six o'clock and 11 o'clock news is sports highlights so you tell me i gotta sit through four hours of downhill skiing or i can just see who won and run and by the way it's a two-minute run anyway i'm just gonna watch it so is nbc losing money on this or is it all pre-sold it's pre-sold it's pre-sold um i my wife used to work over at nbc and um i you know i understand that they hit a billion dollars in sales so that's great they kind of made their money back but what everybody's now starting to talk about is that with the 24% 24% is a lot in terms of TV ratings. And advertisers don't necessarily like that. So what they're trying to find out is how do they make it more digital than television um, and start making money through there. But they have the rights until the year 2032. NBC so you, does? NBC wow. does. On every winter and summer game? Yes. So the question wow. is, in 20 years, how many people are going to be really watching TV? It's not going to be on primetime television no. in 20 years. No. For one thing, if they can digitally stream it, they can they can take those advertisers and customize them. They'll know exactly who's watching which screen, and they can sell one person exactly. a Lexus and the other well, right person now it's yes. on a Ford. Channels. There's an Olympic channel, but it's all the same commercials. So my point is, if they can stream it, they can absol- they can pinpoint who's watching, and that's going to be the future. They'll probably make more money on advertising that yeah. way. So next week we will review Red Sparrow, even though we kind of talked about Bad it today. Ski. And uh, as I said again, uh, Bill Brigoli uh, will tomorrow is actually interviewing Jennifer Lawrence. Well, wow. so I'm in a press conference with 100 geeks. So, <laughs> my uh, so that'll be, be very there. interesting. I look forward to that. And um, 
In addition to that, uh, what else is coming up next week? Anything Boy, cool? Uh, we are, we, are, are we ever going to talk about the Oscars, Neil? Oh, the Oscars. Well, the I o- have no interest anymore because there's no front runner and no leader. And I, I've but that's what makes it fun. My, it's wide open, baby. I, I, it's just too hard to decipher who's going to so win. So next week is our official Oscar well, predictions Sunday, program. March 4th. Yeah, which yeah. is a week from this Sunday. Is, um, Have you watched all the movies? Or, uh, no. All nine Carry movies? the one. For, uh, there's okay. only 28 days in September, buddy. And yeah, today is from, the 22nd. From, uh, yeah. So Red Sparrow and Oscar predictions. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And Jennifer Lawrence. Red and gold. Next week. And listen, I can't say it enough. I think you should go see Game Night because it is really, really funny. And if you haven't gone to cunytv.com or cuny.tv or whatever it CUNY. is. Cuny.tv, and you could watch our show. It used to be called Talking Pictures. Now it's Talking Movies. You could see our Oscar predictions there with Bill McCuddy, Neil Rosen, and Lisa Rossman. And for Bill Brigoli yeah. um, and Neil Rosen at Neil Rosen Apples, follow me on Twitter. And Jack Rico at Jack Rico Official on Twitter. And Jack Rico's uh, podcast is the highly relevant mm-hmm. podcast, sort of abandoning that Showbiz Cafe mm-hmm. moniker for some reason. But okay, that's your <laughs> yeah. deal. It'll all come out in the trial. And, uh, follow me at Bill McCuddy, and I'm also on, on Instagram now, thanks to the youngsters. Oh, Instagram. <laughs> Bill's going to, Bill Bergoli is not on social media, but I hear he's I'm like. on toying, Facebook, that's I, enough. I hear you toying around with doing Snapchat. I think this is, uh, is going to be your big <laughs> really? thing. I think it's more likely he's in chat rooms. Yeah. All right. There you go. Anyway, thanks a lot. Bill, before we go, what do we do on this show every week? We waste a fuckload of time. We sure Uh, do. We also watch the bad stuff so you don't have to. Thanks for sitting around talking movies with us. And as always, we'll sit around talking movies with you with our Oscar predictions next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.